0: you guys have a seat? Can I borrow somebody's music stand? Whoever's first. Okay, Kirtland, you win. Thank you. I bless this music stand. All right. You guys ready to have a little fun? You're like, I don't know, that sounds scary and I don't trust you. And that is the appropriate response. The appropriate response. Rise and shine. You awake this morning? Six of you are awake. Today we're talking about worship in a little bit different light than we normally talk about it. Um, and so what I want to contend today is that when you wake up to spiritual things, to what God is doing in the world, that that waking up changes your mind and your language in such a way that you begin to reflect heavenly things a little bit more than earthly ones and so waking up leads us into a place of worship and so we're going to jump into our text our background for this entire series is Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 through 20 and so I will just start reading here we go it says let there be no sexual immorality impurity or greed among you such sins have no place among God's people isn't that a comfortable place to start right so good yeah all right Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. So, what a passage. Paul as we talked about last week, what he's doing in Ephesians 5 is he's presenting this ideal where Christians live as light in the world, they live sacrificially, they follow the example of Jesus, and they imitate God. Now, each week as we dig into the series, we're going to lay, put layers under each one, to, the supporting ideas that build a person to live in such a way, to live sacrificially. So today we're backing from the, the, the ideal of imitating God. Last week we backed into the, the idea of sacrifice and living sacrificially, and today we move into how that this person will also be a worshiper. And what you're going to realize as we go through it is that all of these pieces that we are backing into, are in a, they, they are what make this person who imitates God. And so a God imitator is a worshiper of God. Now Paul comes at this thing, his whole idea is that of light. And so he's trying trying to teach us how to eliminate the shadows and the gray areas from our life. And so that's what he digs into today. He, He mentions these three things, immorality, impurity, and greed. Now, these aren't just individual sins. Certainly they could be. These are like categories of sins. These are like the areas in which sin and failure that we fall into, and he starts out with this word of immorality, which is, a, the Greek word is pornēia, which is where we get our modern word, pornography. And so he's talking about living in a, a sexual life that is immoral and that uses people, because that's what pornography is. Pornography is using people. And so Paul doesn't want us to live in a way that is governed by our, our lusts, but in a way in which we, are, we live with intimacy, which means we know and are known. Now, we live in a world that's taken this immorality thing and made it a way of life, right? That's kind of turned this lust in our sexual needs into things that are just unhealthy. And so Paul wants us all to know that we need to live free of immorality. There needs to be no darkness in our sexual desires, now you're like, I didn't know you were going to talk about this today. I wouldn't have come. I understand? I totally get it. And so let me make it even weirder and then I promise you it'll get less uncomfortable uh, uncomfortable. Discomfortable is not a word, I don't think. Okay, anyway, it'll be it'll be but anyway. So let me let me tell you God has an ideal for things. God has a way things should be. So I'm going to talk to you about your sexual life just for a second. I know you have some younger kids in here. If We can, I'll try and be very piggy 13, piggy 13. Here's God's plan. Love it, hate it, I didn't make it. I'm not judging anybody, okay? This is just God's plan. God's plan, Adam, Eve, covenant. Man, woman, and a covenant before God to stay together. That's the plan for sexual relationships. Here's why. Sexual relationships are built on intimacy. Here's how Christy and I, that we teach on marriage every chance we get, define intimacy. Into me you see. Being intimate requires vulnerability, openness. God's design, God's plan, is that any place that you open up and in are intimate is protected by a covenant. This is why this, it's so important for marriage that Or for uh, male-female relationships, one of the reasons it's so important is that for there to be a healthy sexual relationship, there needs to be a protective covering that says, I love you, and I'm never leaving you, no matter what I find in you. That's what a covenant is about. In such a relationship, you can actually know and be known. If you know that your partner will stay no matter what they find, you can be honest about who you are. This is why covenant is so important. And now, I don't want to be too harsh or brutal, because some of you, this might be your first Sunday and you don't know me too well, but let let me just lay this down real simple. Any sexual relationship outside of covenant, there can be no intimacy. You are just using each other. And that is not okay. Using other human beings for anything is not okay. You understand? We are supposed to be sacrificial livers. We give and sacrifice for others. We don't take and use people. That is, to use people is darkness. To give and live sacrificially, that is light. Okay, is everybody okay? Everybody, you okay? Just give me, I'm, I'm good, okay? I love it when you talk about these subjects, Michael. <clears throat> I do like to talk about things that matter. And I think this is a very important issue. So I want you to see that the word of God, and by the way, I think the word, I told you when I began this series, people who claim that the Bible is impractical have not read it, rightly at least. I think it is the most practical book you could ever crack open and always dealing with things. Okay, so Paul deals with this immorality issue. So there you go, oh man, maybe it gets better after this. I hope so, me too. Man, that was, that was uncomfortable for me as well. I started sweating, oh man. They're going to stone me for sure. No, I'm just kidding. The, sex thing, the second, oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'm so glad this is online so the whole world can see. All right, it's good. The next thing, we know where his mind is. Anyway, so the next thing he talks about is impurity, and he uses a, a word uncleanness, or um, it's a word that's often translated uncleanness. So let me help you understand what, what he's referring to an impurity and i'll use a bible image in jesus day and still it's still in the world today we just haven't seen it in america there's this thing called leprosy or we don't see it commonly leprosy what is leprosy well you catch leprosy from a bacteria and it comes through droplets in the air and so it it would get on you and then this bacteria begin to infect your body and what leprosy does is it deadens your feeling your nerves and what happens and what causes lepers to look like they're rotting, and that's what a, a leper would look like. It looks like their body, their skin is rotting off their body. I used to have a song I sang when I was a teenager, but it's completely inappropriate. It is inappropriate, right, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> was it wasn't? <laughs> this is the song that won Christy, my first date with Christy over here. You want to hear it or no? Yeah. Okay, okay, here it is leprosy I'm not half the man I used to be all my skin is falling off of me oh I believe in leprosy and you think it's over you think it's over but it's not quick slip me a kiss while I still have an upper lip I don't even have a nose to drip oh I believe in leprosy maybe we can put that in the worship rhythm, I, I don't know, so, uh, yeah, so, oh, there we go. So uncleanness is captured in the idea of leprosy because what, what causes leprosy is numbness, deadness in the skin, and so you'd have this numb place, and then you would begin to rub it, it would, places would get injured and further infected skin, and so the cause of leprosy is a lack of sensitivity, That is what drives the the infection that causes skin to die and rot away off of a person. And so when Paul comes at this idea of uncleanness, that is the idea he is grappling with, trying to help us see that there are places in our lives that we have lost sensitivity in. Meaning that we have begun to wander into dark, gray places, but we think they are light. You have to keep this and so, we live in a world that likes to keep everything in the gray, right? Well, it's not black or white. It's, there's some gray areas. And my independent fundamental pastor of growing up would blow up, literally explode at such an idea. So would Tammy Orr. But and others, <laughs> Mac, would also explode at that idea. But anyway, so Paul, Paul's trying to say that there are these areas in which we are accepting grays, And what's really happened is there's an uncleanness. Our mind has gotten cluttered, and we are now desensitized to things. And then the last thing he pulls up is the the area of greed. Again, you could look at all these as areas of sin. And he pulls up the idea of greed. And I want greed's pretty self-explanatory. We just want more and more and more. Pretty much the American way of life nails greed to the wall, okay? In the Bible, though, my favorite story about a greedy person is the story of Zacchaeus. You know, he lived every day of his life before he met Jesus for Zacchaeus, wanting more and more and more. One meal with Jesus, and the greedy guy became a giver. And so Paul looks at all of these these areas, and he gives us the antidote right in the text. The antidote for the immorality, the impurity, and the greed. And the antidote is very simple. Gratitude. Gratitude. He talks about us being thankful to God, and the word he uses there for thankfulness is is the word where uh, the modern word Eucharist comes from, which is a name Orthodox churches use to describe their communion and Lord's Supper. And so Paul is telling us that if you are going to overcome these areas in life, we move into an area of gratefulness, particularly worshiping God through being thankful for what God has done. So right now, we're going to pause the sermon, and we're going to do communion together. I'm going to have Michael come up and lead us through that, and you're going to warn him about the cups that were packed at a lower altitude and could possibly explode, correct? (laughs) So Michael's going to come and take us through communion. Now, this is not the end of the message. They're going to be like, oh, man, they're over quick here. I'm coming back. (laughs) Hang on. Michael, go ahead and come. And we're we're going to do communion together and focus on the gratitude, the thankfulness, peace of what it means to share communion,
1: okay? For the forgiveness of sins. And with that scripture, it, it, it talks about the covenant relationship that we have with Christ. It talks about that a covenant is, a, is an agreement between people. It's the intimacy that we have with Christ because what Christ did upon the cross for you and for I, for for me, This week, I know a lot of people, um, the last several weeks have gone through a lot of stress with our economy, with our our work situations, with what's taking place in in the world today. And sometimes when we come to church and we are going to do communion, sometimes our hearts are not always, our mind is not always in the right spot. Sometimes we're thinking about the mortgage payment tomorrow. We're thinking about Monday, another dreadful Monday and what's going to take place. We think about all the things that are being taken, going on in our lives, and how overwhelming can be, but I want to read a scripture to you that will give us a grateful heart for communion, because communion, we did nothing to deserve Jesus dying upon the cross. Nothing we have done, all our good works are very small. They're, They're meaningless compared to what Christ did upon the cross for you and I. So, so an attitude from Psalm says this, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of your wonders. I will be glad and exalt you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. And when we, when we take communion, this is a time of a covenant between us and the Lord, but it's also a time of gratitude with God as well, that Jesus was willing to suffer and die for you and I that he was willing to, to be buried and to raise again on the third day. So you may be thinking a lot of times during church service, all the things that are going wrong in your life, why God is failing you, what the situation is, and you feel overwhelmed and you feel lost. I truly want to tell you the time of communion, a time of coming together with brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a time that God uh, restores us, a time that he lifts us up, a time that we're able to see the things that are around us are temporal. They're very, very temporary compared to eternity. And what we are doing here at this very moment is an act of eternity because we are remembering the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, everyone, if you have your bread out, let's go ahead and take our bread, which represents Jesus' body, and the juice. Careful, getting it open. Go ahead and drink. Represents Jesus' blood. This is the covenant which Jesus did for you and for me. And we are able to be grateful for God because all we have to do is receive the gift. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for the day. Thank you, Lord, for letting us remember communion. Let us thank you, God, for letting us be able to celebrate your death, your burial, and your resurrection. And God, thank you that even during the difficult times of our lives, we can be thankful when the world is against us, but you are for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: So is anybody in this room thankful that Jesus Christ died on a cross for their sins and rose again for their life? God is good, man. And all the time. So as we dig into this idea of worship and gratitude tied together, I want to remind you that worship from your Bible's perspective is more practical than mystical. And I I like reminding people of this. I I think when people come to church and when they start trying to grow spiritually, they get this idea that the spiritual life is very mystical. I mean, there's the Holy Spirit Ooh. and, and they, they feel like everything is very intuitive from that point on and, and 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 a little weird but i i don't believe that at all actually i i believe there are intuitive things about the supernatural life and and about the the moves and works of the holy spirit but are i what has happened i believe is that we have caught some ideas from our culture And one of those ideas that I think is terribly unhelpful in spiritual walks is the idea that worship should be over here, behind the stained glass, in the cathedral, cordoned off to Sunday, we go and we worship. And so we make Sunday holy, set apart to God, by our worship, But then we go around and make Monday through Saturday profane by our lack of worship. If we worshiped on Monday morning, as we did on Sunday morning, we would make Monday just as holy as Sunday. Does that make sense? And so I think worship's really practical, because now you can approach your entire life as an act of worship. Worship. You don't have to just go to work tomorrow and barrel into another grueling Monday. Tomorrow can be a day of worship. I am now working in my job as a worshiper. And everything I do is not for me. It's for the glory of Jesus. I want to make my employer look good because I want him to realize that a Christian, a Christ follower works for him. And now my work life is... Has become an, an, a way to worship God. And that's what I think is very, very practical. Now, if we begin to look at our lives with this heart of worship from a place of gratitude, I believe it's going to do two primary things that will really help you in this moment in your life, and that is give you clarity and give you victory. Let me use two Old Testament illustrations. I'm going to check my time here. I may go fast. I may sound like Michael and do that and sound like an auctioneer for a minute, but. Uh, i just picking on Michael. He's, uh, he's pretty great. He puts up with a lot out of me, and you've got to give that to him. In the Old Testament, there's a guy named, I call him Asaph, but I'm going to call him A after this, Ace, we'll call him Ace after this year, because I'm probably saying his name wrong. This, this guy was a worshiper, a professional worshiper. He played the symbols in the house of God. Now, who would like to play symbols on the worship team? <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. I mean, that is really, I could just see Jason up there randomly throwing in a, but anyway. So um, Asa played the cymbals, and he wrote psalms, and he prophesied through those psalms. And he was a father, an ancestor, that basically built a legacy of warrior worshipers. Now, does that not sound cool? I mean, why be a worshiper when you can be a warrior worshiper, Okay. And he built this legacy of warrior worshipers. Now, Psalm 73 is one of his psalms, and it is, uh, it is the psalm for the days when you feel like that the bad guys are winning, then they are ruining everything. And this is a psalm where, where Asaph comes in and he begins to really question what's happening with evil in the world and why it looks like that decent people are suffering while the jerks are winning. And he comes through that and works through his feelings and where he's at with the wicked and how successful they are. And in Psalm 73, verse 16, he he, he comes at us and he says, So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. Then, I went to your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. What did he do in the sanctuary? He went to worship. He said, well, it doesn't say to worship. The only reason he would have gone to the sanctuary is to focus on God, and focusing on God is the root of worship. And so he goes to this place when he's struggling with everything that's happening out here away from God, and he goes and focuses upon God, and in that moment he gets clarity. The worship helped him see that what's happening in the nasty now and now is just part of what's happening in eternity and he was able to look past the problems and it gave him clarity and he was able to praise God in that situation. The second illustration I use is Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat had a big problem. He had three armies of bullies that came after him and they wanted to wipe Israel off the map which is kind of normal. Someone's always wanting to write wipe Israel off the map. And so They, they went to God with the problem. Three armies gathered to, to destroy them. They go to God with the problem say, God, the bullies are here. What do you want us to do? And God says to them, all I want you to do is go out there and watch what I'm about to do. That's all you gotta do. I want you to show up, but I'm gonna do the fighting for you. The Bible says in Second Chronicles 20, verse 21, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, put the worship team out front in the battle, Yay, worship team. (laughs) Singing to the Lord, praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Isn't that crazy? They're going out to face the bullies. God says, you face the bullies, I'll fight the bullies. And they, instead of going out in anxiety, worshiping their worry, because that's what we do when we worry, we worship not God, they went out and began to intentionally praise God and thank God for His faithfulness. The next verse goes on to say, at that very moment, they, the three armies of bullies, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead of myself, the people... They began to sing and give praise. And the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. Isn't that cool? Three armies came out to fight Israel, the one army that came out to watch the three armies destroy each other. They came to fight, Israel came to watch. That's pretty cool. Worship gave them victory. Worship gave them victory. They praised God for what he was going to do with the problem rather than getting lost in the issue of what the problems are. And I think that's always instructive. You show up, you praise God, you come to him with gratitude, with Eucharist, with communion, and then you win. And I think all of life works that way. Sometimes the time scale is a little different. So Those are some illustrations of the Old Testament. Let's jump into how to apply some of these ideas and how we can move on from here. 1 John 2.16. The world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. That's all the world offers you. 1 John 2.16, that tells you what the world has got for you. You want everything the world has to offer? This is it. And you, if you were to read on in the text, you would find out that all of this stuff is fading away like a lawn chair in Wyoming sun. It's fading away, okay? Isn't that crazy? We need worship to get our eyes off what the world has. And here's what worship will do. The first thing it'll do is it will clear your vision. Do you guys remember those audio stereograms that were really popular back in the 80s and 90s? Those pictures that looked like someone had just put a bunch of junk in a frame you're like someone like who spilled the paint and put it on the wall you know those kind of things and you would look at them they made no sense they might be geometrical shapes they might be splotches they make no sense at all but then someone would tell you what you have to do is you have to look past it or you have to not quite look at it I don't know I can't quite do it I I look at those and go throw that thing away because I will never see it I mean but that's a picture of a dolphin I don't even like dolphins anymore just get rid of that picture okay that's kind of what worship's like, though. Worship, you're looking at your life, and your life is like that, that audio stereogram. It's a, this image, and it's a mess. You ever look at your life and go, this is a train wreck. I don't even think it's my train, but I have to deal with it. But it's a train wreck. Worship, when you stop in that moment of your mess, and you look to the God who's passed it, you focus on Him rather than the mess, the same thing happens. Your problems begin to take on a new shape and you begin to see in them what you could not see before. You begin to see opportunity, you begin to see hope. When you focus on God and not the problem, when you worship instead of worry, your problems will take on a new shape and you'll begin to see how God is working in those far more clearly. Worship helps us clear our vision. Worship cleans our thinking. Impurity in our life causes us to live in those gray areas. Do you, know that, do you know the story about Jesus cleansing the temple? Do you know he did it twice? Beginning of his ministry and end of his ministry, he cleaned out the temple. Do you know it was a premeditated cleansing both times? That, that's right, he went in the day before, Scoped it out. Next morning, he went in with a cord of ropes and drove out the animals and flipped over the tables. It was a premeditated protest. I know I shouldn't use that word, but I'm doing it anyway, okay? Against the secularization of Jewish faith. And uh, so both times he did it. Now, he made a big deal about it. This wasn't just a casual Jesus walking in going, hey, you need to stop doing that and get out of here. No, he... He did this very dramatically. I mean, he went in there like a 13-year-old girl on a bad hair day. And all the 13-year-old girls are going, that's not fair. Bad hair's bad. That is so true. I am with you. As a child of the 80s and having personally burned over 1,000 cans of Aquanet and putting a hole in the ozone myself, I totally understand. Why did Jesus cleanse the temple and make such a big deal about it? And then why did he follow up with some teaching that went along the lines of that you are the temple? Could it be that he was teaching us that we were going to have to cleanse the temple of our own hearts regularly? That like Paul said, we have to get rid of this impurity in our life So that we can properly, we are properly sensitized to what is right and what is wrong. Earlier this year, actually late last year in December, I was working out because I'm fat. I'm pretty much resigned to it now. I think I'm just going to be fat. Everyone's miserable and fat. I think I'll be happy and fat. Amen. That's right. (laughs) i just <clears throat> Anyway, I was working out. And I did this this thing. I was trying to strengthen my noodly arms and I, I did this thing and, and I blew a rib out the back. I mean literally shot across no no, it just popped out. It's popped out. <laughs> popped a rib loose. And it hurt, you know, and I I'm like, you know, but I'm a guy and I'm dumb. And uh, so meaning that I'm like, well it hurt, but it'll be fine in a few days and, and it was not fine. And it got to hurting more, and I, I sleep on my left side, um, because if I sleep on my right side, I breathe in my wife's face, and she doesn't like that. So I sleep on my left side, and I mouth-breathe in her face, she doesn't like it. But I sleep on my left side, and I couldn't. It was hurting so bad, I had to sleep on my back. Well, I can't sleep on my back, so now I'm sleeping on the right-hand side, and I can't sleep there because I'm mouth-breathing. So all night long, I'm just rolling back and forth. And then one morning, I wake up, and uh, I can't feel my finger. These these three fingers on my left hand, and my shoulders just kill me. I'd, I'd pinched a nerve. Yay for me. <clears throat> and I was in pain. Now, I don't know if you know this, but I type a lot for, this is what I do. I write a lot for ordinary faith and sermons and all these kind of things. I work at a keyboard quite a bit. It's really hard to type when you can't feel these three fingers. And so numbness, insensitivity drove me nuts for a couple of months. It took took a chiropractor and a a physical therapist, both of them who normally are at church on Sunday mornings and have mercy on me, (laughs) a month to get me to where I could just feel my fingers again. It's the same way with impurity in our lives. When we get used to the gray areas... Get used to the relevant thinking of the world in which we live. A world that only cares about the things that we can lust after and the things we perceive. When we get used to those ideas, we get desensitized to spiritual ideas. Our minds get clouded. Our thinking gets muddy. Worship gets us past that. Worship helps us focus on the one who's over it all. Gets us above All the muck and the drama that we live in. And gets our minds more sensitized to what is right and clear. So it cleans our thinking. It purifies our thoughts and even our language. So worship, it, it, it cleans us. It clarifies us. And worship satisfies us. The world loves money and sex it's in all the ads all the tv shows the world's always promising that with those things and it's got some other things it likes to throw in there too possessions with those things you can have anything you want i don't know i mean i I know how old i am i don't know how old all of you are i mean i can look around some of you look older some of you look younger Sooner or later, hopefully, the realization will dawn that money and sex that the world promises do not satisfy. They do not. In fact, I contend that the enemy tempts us with things and promises us things that he actually takes away from us when we fall into those temptations. We think money will make us happy, and so we pursue money, and the last thing we are ever again is happy. We think sex will give us happiness, and then we go after that, and then from then on, we can't have real relationship with people, and we are again unhappy. I'm here to tell you that worship satisfies where money and lust will never satisfy. They just won't do it. But focus on God will and by the way, both of those things, in the right context, with God as Lord over them, are fine. They are wonderful gifts. Even money. I know, some, oh, money, I hate money. We only hate money because someone else has more than you. Money's a great tool. Money's a tool that can, be, can do great things in our world and can bless people and can be a, a ministry and so forth. It, but it's just a tool, it's not security. It's not security. The Bible says it can fly away in a moment. It doesn't matter how much you have set aside for your future, it could be gone in the blink. I think the stock market has taught us that at least four times in my lifetime. And so, it's not security. It's not happiness. Lust isn't going to do it either. In fact, what lust will do is it will make you more alone. Here's why. Here's why. Every time that someone surrenders to lust in a capacity, they experience a thing called shame. I didn't make the laws. I didn't make the rules. It's just what it is. And here's the thing about shame. Shame isolates. Shame isolates. And so the world can promise you that you'll be happy through all those things, but the the shame will come And then you will feel alone, and the very thing you needed at the beginning of all this was the intimacy, the being known, and now you can't be known because you're too ashamed to be known. I don't know if that makes sense to you. I hope it does, and I hope it saves some of you some pain. Because in all of those things that do not satisfy, here's a God who does satisfy. Psalm 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord. Church, Christians, if you are still investigating Christianity, there is a way of life that is filled with delight. Delight, enjoyment, happiness even. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him, and He will help you see. this is the foundation of worship its focusing on trusting in delighting in enjoying God he's infinite he's awesome he's cool he likes you I don't know why either but he does I don't know why he likes me but he does and he, deli- he delights in us, and he wants us to delight in him. How do you get here? So I could talk about worship in a whole lot of ways. I mean, there's a lot of approaches and a lot of hearts. In fact, some of these messages as we work through this series will talk about ways that we worship God. But today I just want to focus on one little thing of worship, one thing anyone can do. Because some people are intimidated by worship because they're like, well, I can't sing. And it's okay. Pastor Michael sings, and he can't sing. He still worships. That's two. I you owe me two now. I understand. Next sermon, you you. I understand. I, Lord Jesus, help me. Anyway, <laughs> here's what you can do. You can be thankful. You can express gratitude. You can you can stop walking into every day waiting for the next horrible thing to happen. Sure, horrible things are going to happen. You know, I don't know what the news is tomorrow, but I've watched news long enough to know that it will be bad. <laughs> happy news doesn't sell. I, several people have tried happy news papers and happy news websites, and it just doesn't sell. People just, we're just not geared for that in our flesh. And the only place we'll ever find hope and happiness is in God himself. He's the creator of it. He knows how it works. And so we start moving into gratitude and start thanking God. God. For everything. Thankfulness. Let's take a minute. Is everybody comfortable? Is everybody comfortable? Anyone uncomfortable? I'm working on that. Let's just shout out some things we're thankful for. What are you thankful for? Right now. Someone, pop one out. Be brave. Okay, one, two, one or two at a time. Okay, I got family. What was another one over here? Jesus? Church? Hope. Family. Leaders. Leaders. Leaders? Wow. Leaders. Okay, good deal. Someone's thankful for us, guys. Wow. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> that does not agree with that email I got. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Freedom. Help. Is that what? Oh, health, health. Health. Music. <laughs> that was Sue Milligan, by the way. What'd you say? Salvation, Bruce? Wife and children. children. Conviction. Conviction. Woo! That was Jeff Phillips said that. Oh, man. Forgiveness. Compassion. Joy. Love. Peace. Job. Dad? Is that a hurt, Dad? I'm thankful for your dad, too. He's a pretty great guy. What was that? Breath, breath, breath. breath. Life. life. Amen. Seems like we have a lot to be thankful for. Wyoming. That's right. That's right. Amen. Anybody else want to build a wall around Wyoming? Just I'm me. I'm just I really just keep the rest of them out. <laughs> And there's a real, there's an immigration program. You can't just show up. Anyway, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Of course, I'm not sure I would have got in. (laughs) Oh, man. I want you to notice what happens when we start just being thankful for simple things. Notice how the attitude and the atmosphere of the room changes when we just start being thankful. It's that simple. Seriously, if you're having, and we've experienced in our family, I don't know if your family has drama in it. Ours had a little, eight sons' worth of it. In the moments that we could stop and talk about thankfulness, the attitude would change. And so if you wake up tomorrow and you're dreading your Monday, instead of doing that and worshiping the worry... Start worshiping the God who's over the worry. Start focusing beyond the mess and use simple thankfulness to get there. This is not hard. This is not rocket science. This is how you begin to shine light into your darkness, and that's what our text is about. Does that make sense? All God's people said? Amen. Worship team. Won't you guys come on up and let's worship together through song? Before we leave...